All right, welcome back to the second hour of the show here. Ben standing with you until noon. We've been talking a lot about the Commanders, as you might imagine we would, seeing as how that is the team that I uh, cover for The Athletic. But I used to cover primarily the Washington Wizards for uh, a bunch of different folks, and that's why I want to talk about the Washington Wizards. I can't always... I, I it's like it's like a bad relationship. Like I want to just get a clean break, but I just can't quite get away with get away from it. So when I have the chance to host the radio, I bring somebody in who can talk to me about that. Ava Wallace, of course, covers the Wizards for the Washington Post, and Ava joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Vis- go go download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com. And joining us here to talk about these mighty wizards is Ava Wallace. Ava, how uh, how are you? you, you you're past the, the halfway point. The, the, the travel is, is piling up. How are we holding up at this point in the year? Holding up very well because all of the long trips are done with. And now that the wizards just have like, I think it's something like seven single game trips left. So like, it's a lot of home games coming <laughs> coming up in March. A lot of chances to see the Wizards as they try to make this postseason push here. There, there you go. What was your uh, What was your favorite road trip so far uh, of the year? You know, either professionally or personally. Oh gosh, let's see. Well, the one where they went through all the Texas teams in New Orleans and then ended in the game that got canceled in Detroit was a personal favorite. <laughs> like that just made everyone carrying their heavy Detroit coats through New Orleans. That was really cool. No, um, they did like three, they're kind of still doing pandemic era scheduling. And so they did three hefty, like 10 day road trips this year. It was kind of weird. Um, but the first one where you get the four days in LA because you play the Lakers and the Clippers back to back is always pretty nice. I'm not going to be mad about that. No, it's hard to, it's hard to be mad uh, ab- about that. Now it was, it was easy to be mad about where this thing was heading with the wizards back before Christmas. They were 11 and 10 on November 28th. They then proceeded to lose not one, not two, but 10 consecutive games. So by the time they get to December 20th, they are now 11 and uh, 11 and 20. And you're like, all right, well, you know, we're going to have to discuss where this thing is going long term. What, what, what do they have to do here? You know, what should they do with this, with this roster, trade deadline, all that fun stuff. Except that since then, they actually haven't been uh, that bad. The, the Wizards, since that time, have, uh, let's see here, the, they're the sixth best winning percentage in the league 19 and 12 overall they're way up there in uh field goal percentage and they're blocking shots and they're getting better all around play especially some of that is because of guys are just healthier but i guess the question is have they really do you think they've really sort of turned around or what do you kind of make up for this sort of idea that they've actually been playing pretty well for you know over 30 games now yeah, they definitely have been playing pretty well. Like you said, health was a huge thing. Um, that They actually, on that West Coast trip, that kind of L.A. game trip that I was talking about, is when they snapped the 10-game losing streak. And it was because they got DeLon right back, who, uh, the backup point guard who had been out forever with a hamstring strain. They had Rui Hachimura, remember him. They got him back. Uh, people kind of got healthier. They got they had a full roster for the first time really all season since Corey Kispert kind of missed the first couple weeks of the season. They really hadn't played with all of their normal rotation guys until December. Um, so that certainly helped. And then they hit a soft part in the schedule. Like they, they just haven't had the strongest um, opponents to play. And, you know, I, I kind of, I do think it's important to note that because you got to note opponents and, and also 
you know, everybody goes through soft parts in the schedule. So I'm not saying like that's the only reason, but they had chances to win there too. So it was a combination of those things. They kind of finally figured out their starting lineup, got some regular rotations in there so that guys actually had a chance to develop chemistry with the people who they were going to be on court with every night. And then one thing that I think you can't overlook, um, when Rui Hachimura was traded at the end of January, that's really unlocked a little bit of comfort and confidence for Denny Avdia, and he's playing really well, and that's helped the bench immensely. Um, he started, of course, the past couple of games when Christoph Porzingis has been out, and he'll kind of be in and out the starting lineup, but he's mostly coming off the bench now, and he has really, really done an excellent job in that position. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of that Rui Hachimura trade. I love how so many of the Lakers fans just talked themselves into that they just got the next Kawhi Leonard. Then the Lakers mm-hmm. make one more trade, and I don't think Rui's even playing that much now at this point. Um, so that one worked out well for the Wizards, especially, like you said, with Denny playing better. Um, obviously, this team is going to go so far as the top three go with with Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. Health has been the primary issue. Now that you've seen them together, more or less, for you know 50-odd games, what do you think their ceiling is if we move forward? Assuming there's good health, that this you know that the, the players they want on the court are there come the play-in game or the playoffs or whatever. What is the actual ceiling? Do you think when these guys are clicking? Yeah, it's that's a, a really good question because their offense is good when it's good as as has kind of been the problem. I don't. It's not the same problem that the Wizards have had for the past couple of years where they just can't play defense. Like they're actually pretty good at defense, and they're like you said, climbing in the in the league rankings in that percentage they they've been really good, especially on offensive boards. They need to get a little bit better at defensive rebounding, um, but they can be locked in. The problem is sometimes they just, it's the, it's the consistency. And sometimes it's the fact that they do have trouble with teams who go in and bully Chris Stubbs Porzingis. You're seeing a lot. He'll have really strong first quarters or first half. And then like, we'll be on the court and, and don't get me wrong. You know, when Porzingis is on the court, it makes, it makes the defense harder for the opposing team, no matter what, because they have to account for him. But he'll kind of disappear off the scoring um, sheet for the second half or, or maybe even three-quarters of the game after he starts hot. And, and that's something where they have to learn how to contend with physicality. That's something that they're going to run into with a lot of teams in the East, even if they just make the playoffs, who have kind of these big bruising centers who can really kind of home in on, on Porzingis. So that's something that's an issue. They can lose focus on defense. Um, they can lose their just kind of aggressiveness on defense. So it's kind of like they have the talent there, um, but they don't have all of the all of the little things that like really help you make a run in the last quarter of the season. Those are the things that they can kind of waver on a lot, and and they really don't have room to waver. They're sitting, you know, tenth place in the East. Um, that's not a team that you can avoid to take a couple of games off here and there. All right, we're talking with Ava Wallace from the Washington Post at Ava R Wallace on Twitter, and I'm just noticing. Ava's Twitter followers. She, she's behind Chase Hughes. She, she, that's that's not that's not right. You gotta we gotta. Oh, catch. I have no no Ben. My you know my Twitter profile is still a picture of me and Patrick Ewing. Like it's I you know this is a neglected social media profile here. Well, obviously, but look, you know, nonetheless, we need to <laughs> we need to boost you up. By the way, you do it, your picture with Ewing always strikes me. It is the most color coordinated picture ever. You're, We're making the same facial expression. It's, it's, I mean, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to change it soon. I think once he once he gets out of town, but you know. Well, look, when he gets out of town, it might even be better. Right now, it's when it's really a, a bit of a struggle uh, to, to stay with that. Um, so with regards to the Wizards, all right, look, I just did. I just kind of went through the positive aspects of this. I'm trying mm-hmm. to try and just keep this nice. I mean, because they, they are a fun team to watch once we move past where the heck is this thing going. 
But, right. Big uh, picture is pretty bleak. <laughs> right. So let's go back to that big picture aspect. Look, obviously for fans who are especially the fans who just like want to see their team do, do well, it would be cool if they make the playoffs. Uh, the playing game to me is kind of whatever. But OK, if you get into the play in and then make it all the way into the playoffs. OK, you can have some fun. You can be the eighth seed. You can lose to the Bucks or the Celtics in five games, we'll say, and call it a day. I, I don't know that that's getting you any anywhere. So but let me ask you this. You think they're better off? There is always value of making the playoffs. I mean, certainly the owner thinks there is. But if you make the playoffs, you think it's better for them to make the playoffs? They're right now the 10 seed. So they're in the playing game, but on the cusp of not being. Better to get into the playing game or better to lose and, and not make the playing game and have, even if it's a minimal shot at getting Victor Wembanyama or one of the other top prospects, even if it's like a 1%, 5% chance, what do you think is the actual better outcome for this team going forward? That's a great question, and and I don't I don't think there's a perfect answer to it. And remember, if if they have a lottery pick next year, they get to keep their pick. If they don't have a lottery pick next year, that pick conveys to the Knicks. So it's not just like Victor Wembanyama they're going for; it is their first round draft pick in this upcoming draft. Right, right. Um, so that that's a big deal. And but the other thing is, you kind of look at well, uh, how's this team done with drafting lately? You know, how important is a draft <laughs> pick really? Um, you know, when you say you really like that Russ Rui Hachimura trade, I think so too, just because of what it's kind of allowed. They did have a logjam there, and now they've um, they obviously negotiated a buyout with Will Barton, so they've kind of freed up some space there. But you think about that. I mean, that's your 2019 lottery pick. We're trading away lottery picks before they even sign extensions. And this past year's lottery pick has not gotten on the court hardly, I mean, barely, barely at all when you're talking about Johnny Davis. So teams always want your draft pick. It is the best and most surefire way to build your team organically, especially if you're a place like Washington, which the big issue here is they cannot attract big free agents. Um, So you always want that draft capital. But then you kind of think, maybe you know how are they going to use it um so i think it's it's weird and and the best i think the best thing that you could say about this team making the playoffs is that it incentivizes guys like kyle kuzma and chris Porzingis to want to stick around because those two guys want to win um kyle kuzma obviously has a ring with the lakers chris Porzingis, he hasn't really made up his mind on whether he wants to stay and what he wants to do this summer at least the last time i checked in with him but something that he said is he kind of says eh, i want to see how the rest of the season goes you know what what can this team do can they make a playoff push can they show that that this is a place that i should be sticking around and might actually do something in the future so to me that's the biggest reason to make the playoffs for them is to show that with this group we can actually do this you guys should stay here don't explore your options in free agency we can do something with this core and I feel like that's a big deal because that's what the Wizards have said. They, they, they want to keep this core together, even though, you know, you look at their record when they've been on court together. It's not fantastic. But when you look with your eyes, you can't deny they're better than, than they are with the, any of those three off the court. Um, so that, to me, is the biggest reason to make the playoffs and just kind of to prove that the play, just inject a little bit of confidence into the fact that general manager Tommy Shepard's plan is working. I think that would do a, a wonder for everybody on this roster, which, to be clear, this is not, even when they were in a 10-game losing streak, this isn't a roster that's been super down this year. It's actually been really interesting. They clearly like each other. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma has two of his, his really close friends on the team. Everybody else is kind of pretty good at gelling and, and hanging out and seems to really enjoy each other's company. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting, and, and I think that they could use kind of a little bit of a boost of, yeah, we can actually do this. Yeah, no, it's a great point with regards to making the playoffs and what that could mean for keeping Kuzma and Porzingis, and, and I'll get you out of here. 
on this. Obviously, we have a ways to go before uh, the Wizards have to, you know, get to the line and, and have to make a, a final decision of what to do, or, or more, maybe more to the point, what the players decide they want to mm. do. I, we said before that the, the the long-term view of this thing is not looking that great. You don't have a top 10 player or two guys in the top 20, and the, 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 there's not a lot of depth that they give. You know, they don't have much wiggle room anymore mm-hmm. at all. But they also can't lose Kyle Kuzma for nothing or Porzingis for nothing because now I don't even know what that would look like at this point, and you've already pot committed to Bradley Beal. So what's your best guess at this point with regards to Kuzma and Porzingis as to are they going to stay? Should the Wizards – are the Wizards going to have to massively overpay? Are we getting more no-trade uh, no clauses? What's going – what do you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I think they are going to have to massively overpay, and and but I but I I think that that really is the most important thing is they've got to show their performance towards the end of the year. That is what those two guys are interested in more than anything. Kyle Kuzma has always said his priority is he wants to be the place where he he can grow, he can kind of spread his wings and be a number one guy. You know, the Wizards have given him every type of green light to do whatever he wants on offense, pretty much, and be a center. Um, and he gets good attention here. Same with Kristaps Porzingis, who who does seem genuinely happy in DC, but. Yeah, that's they took a huge gamble not not trading uh, Kyle Kuzma at the deadline, which has to indicate they have some level of confidence that they can keep him. But that's kind of what their long term picture depends on because if either of those two guys walk in free agency, I mean that is like that's really really bad. Not just for West Hill Jr., but for this front office. That's a that's a huge blow to those guys. So they've really got to commit money. They've got to commit whatever they can throw at both of these guys. Um, to staying, but I think ultimately the, the best thing that they've got in their back pocket is wins. All right, well, look, I always have huge confidence that Ava Wallace is going to crush it on the radio. Once again, I was proven right. At Ava R. Wallace on Twitter, go read her in the Washington Post. And uh, if you see her at the games, you know, say hi, be nice, bring her food. I'm sure she'd like all those things. <laughs> Ava, appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the weekend and good luck following these Wizards. Thanks, Ben. All right, uh, great job there with Ava. Uh, we're going to talk more. We'll talk more about uh, the commanders and we can talk wizards as well if you want or anything else that's on your mind. 800 636 1067. Really, the phone lines are open now until 11 o'clock. We've got our next guest. So give me a call. Tell me what is on your mind uh, about the commanders, what you just heard from Ava. Uh, you want to tell me what TV show you're watching these days? I, I always need recommendations there. Whatever you got, Ben standing with you till noon on 1067 The Fan. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan, Ben Standig here. It was a fun conversation with Ava Wallace about the Wizards after we talked to Jeff Zrebeck about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and what's going to happen there. We'll talk about the commanders in the NFL draft in the next hour, but right now I want to talk with you at 800-636-1067. Give us a call, or and of course, if you're listening on the free Odyssey app, hello to you as well. You want to hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig, you can hit me up with your thoughts there. We had a call earlier uh, today from Chuck, who uh, did not uh, want to hang out on, on hold at that point, but he did want to throw in the question of, does Sam Howell being QB1 make sense to anyone outside of the DMV? Um, it's a good question. I So I started at the top of the show talking about my uh, – my first like 24 hours or so at the combine and how just everything started going wild for this team, which is for us, of course, normal, 
But for the rest of the league, it's like, what is happening here? And the number one question I got during my time at the Combine easily was, is he going to sell? Is Dan Snyder actually going to sell the Commanders? Second question I got the most. Wait, Sam Howell is going to start? The, all I'm getting that question from my colleagues, from uh, from executives or people on from other teams, and it's understandable why people would be questioning this. I, I think a lot of us here have done the same. How did we get from a guy? He, he was a fifth round pick who didn't play the entire year until the last game. And after Washington was eliminated. And then at that point, they weren't even going to start him initially. They were going to go to Taylor Heineke. He has one game. They win. They beat Dallas. And Dallas was still playing for uh, for playoff seating at that point. So they weren't you know playing their backups or anything. How did we go from that to like a week or so later, the idea that Sam Howell was going to be QB1 entering the offseason? And I think we got there in a couple of different ways, but there are ways that are far more subtle than people would think just on the surface because he somehow was not a first round pick last year or even a second round pick where you might say automatically, okay, there's a, there's a line of ascension here. He's going to be the next guy. That's not what we're dealing with here at all. Even though we also understand Carson Wentz is going to go Taylor Heineke is a free agent. So right now he is literally the only quarterback on the roster, but the reason I think that this all got started, there's a couple of there's a couple factors here that are working together. Number one, go back and, and note when the date was that all this was happening, that, that we first started hearing the whispers or the reporting that Sam Howell was being viewed as QB1 entering the offseason. It's when Ron Rivera started talking to potential offensive coordinator candidates about this job. And that started he the those meetings were to say, hey. When you're, when you're talking to us, when you're presenting information, um, we want you to consider Sam Howe could be the guy. And also, we just want you to understand, as you're contemplating whether you would take this job, that Sam Howe is very much in, the, in play, if not the likely person, to be that guy. At that moment in time, before that news became public, we were discussing a lot about all the things that went wrong with Carson Wentz, not just the three interceptions in the Week 17 game against the Browns, that loss eliminated Washington from the playoffs. But just all of it. The the idea of making that trade for him that ultimately cost Washington two third-round picks. All of those things. Now, of course, Scott Turner had just gotten fired, but it was a lot of negative energy going towards Ron Rivera in particular, but the staff and this team overall, beyond the Dan Snyder scenarios. And then the news of Sam Howell as QB1 this offseason began. And immediately, the focus went from what happened to what may happen. And that is such an important difference. It was to the point that when Carson Wentz was ultimately released earlier this week, nobody here blinked. Nobody here thought twice about it. We had, It was barely a blip, other than the fact that he's a big name still around the league and that, you know, it's a type of player getting released that you got to write about. There was Nobody seemed to worry or care because everybody was now moving forward with Sam Howell. I don't even get that many people saying to me, hey, they've got to trade up in the draft to get a quarterback the way we did uh, in 2021 with with Justin Fields. Um, 
right? I mean, or last year, just so much talk, but they've got to draft one of these quarterbacks early on. People are in on Sam Howell. It doesn't mean they're right. I do think Sam Howell's pretty interesting. It's still crazy to me, though, that you're going to go with a guy with one start for a coaching staff that probably needs to have a winning record and perhaps then some in order to stay um, to stay here, especially with a new owner coming in. But it makes sense overall as to why Sam Howell is in play to be QB1, even if for the outside world they're going to keep asking me and others, wait, really? Sam Howell is QB1? I get why the outsiders might think it's it's odd, but here I think it does make sense. Um, helping me to make sense of this, Matt and Alexander, he also wants to talk about Sam Howell and why this does make sense to be Washington's starter. Uh, Matt, you're on 106.7 The Fan. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking the call. So, I'm not saying he is either of these guys, but there are two notable guys that only had one game their rookie year or first year and then started the entire next season. One was the first top 10 pick in Mahomes. I'm not saying he's Mahomes, but he only started one game against the Broncos, which he threw a pick in, and then now he he did 50 and 5,000. And Tom Brady also only got one game his rookie year, and then once Bledsoe went down, he took over, and he was picked 199. Now, I'm not saying how is either of these guys, but the idea of good coaches figure out how to get their young quarterback in the door and teach him and get him behind a vet, even though, you know, Wentz and Heineke aren't like the guys that I would want as the vets, but they get behind vets, they learn for a year, they might get a game, might get a few passes through the season, but they're not going to be the guy their rookie year or their first two years. And then they come in that next year, they have an entire season of learning the system, and now he's got a new OC coming in, so it's going to be a newer system, but it's going to be a system that I know is efficient. I've seen the past five years of Chiefs being in the AFC Championship games. But he has a year underneath him, he has a whole staff behind him, and he has probably a top 10 wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. So I appreciate taking the call. Yeah, Matt, no, I I appreciate the call and, and, and good thoughts there. You know, I personally... My favorite aspect of the Sam Howell situation is that he basically did get to redshirt his rookie year, which is, of course, not surprising in the sense that they had, you know, two veterans ahead of him and, and uh, you know, they were trying to make the playoffs and, and it wasn't like they were miserable from the middle of the season on and therefore should have turned to a rookie. I I personally would almost never, ever, never use a rookie quarterback in his first year, I especially somebody a high, high pick. I don't want to. I, they need time to adjust. Typically, I, you know, if you're drafting quarterback high in the draft, as will be the case this year with, you know, perhaps uh, the the Texans at two, the Colts at four. These are teams that are not very good right now, right? And the, these young quarterbacks get thrown into the deep end. Sometimes they they, they swim, but often they are just just banged around physically and mentally so much that it can damage them. And I think that's a huge problem. So I would almost always sit a guy and. In Washington's case, not by choice necessarily, but Sam Howell essentially didn't play. So I do think that's a good thing. He'll have a t- chance to, to to take that experience now with him without having been sort of, you know, with that, with, without losing confidence that would come perhaps getting a beat up in, in some of these games. That said, you know, you make the, the, the Mahomes and Brady comparisons, which I get on the surface, of course. And obviously, yeah, right, nobody's going to make those uh, direct comparisons, but I think on one level, the fact that there's really only a couple of guys like this that we can point to kind of proves the point that there really is just it's sort of an unprecedented 
kind of deal. Trevor Simeon with the Broncos a few years ago was somebody who had only had, um, I think, one career start before being named the week one starter. Now, he was like how a late round pick. Um, you know, didn't do too much there, but you know, he's you know had a reasonable career, all things considered, from where he was picked. The Mahomes and Brady part, I mean, Mahomes was what was he, the tenth pick, the twelfth pick, something like that. I mean, that's a whole different deal, right? Because you're expecting that player to become your starter. And as far as Tom Brady goes, you know, needless to say, it's the outlier of all outliers. But he was also the backup to Drew Bledsoe, who at that point had already been into quarterback in the Super Bowl. He was the number one pick in his draft. They didn't go into that season saying Tom Brady is the guy. Uh, Sam Howe might turn into a really good player. but all I, And if you said this is a rebuilding team and this is where they want to go because they just don't want to spend a lot of money on the quarterback position until they've uh, improved in other, other spots, I get it. But that's not where this team is at. This team is too good to just say, we're going to turn this over to a completely unproven guy and see what happens. I mean, it looks like they will do that. But I just mean, like, if you're trying, if you're this coaching staff and you're trying to win this year, which you think they have to be, not just for their own job careers, but you have a top 10 defense, you have a bunch of playmakers. Yeah, we know they need to fix the offensive line, but there are pieces here to make this work. And to just say we're going to go with Sam Howell is pretty unusual. And again, it's even more unusual that they telegraphed this several weeks ago. That's the part that is the most confusing. But it's but then, as I said before, it's really not that confusing. When you look at what was happening, it, it was a good subject changer. And I think it also helps people early on understand they will not be spending a lot of money this offseason. Rather than having the focus be, hey, are they going to get in the Derek Carr sweepstakes? What about Jimmy Garoppolo? Are they going to trade up in the draft? It is also setting expectations. We believe in Sam Howell, but maybe more importantly, you need to start believing in Sam Howell because this is what's going to happen. Now, they will add a veteran, right? Ron Rivera at no point has said that Sam Howell is the definite starter. He's talked about competition. He's not backtracking. There's nothing changing with his messaging. But I do think the key is the veteran they're going to add, it's going to be somebody who nominally could start. This is my assumption, who nominally could start but won't cause friction if they do, in fact, go with Sam Howell. So a Taylor Heineke would be a good example of this. I think a Gardner Minshew, a Teddy Bridgewater, maybe a Sam Darnold, but that that may be a little bit different because he's still a, a, a prospect to an extent. These types of veterans who you could start if you had to, but they can also essentially control the competition, thus allowing Sam Howell to end up as the starter. It appears that's the way they want to go. And I will just say, of course, while Sam Howe was a fifth-round pick, there were people who definitely thought he should have gone higher. I know Daniel Jeremiah with NFL Network uh, said Sam Howe was his number 48 overall prospect in that year's draft. Pro Football Focus had Sam Howe as their number one quarterback in last year's draft. Um, others had, you know, did not have as high of marks on Howe and had him as like sort of the fifth or sixth quarterback and it's about he was the, the sixth quarterback off the board the point is, is there's potential there's upside I do personally like Sam Howell I just again it's it just it it if for a team that is trying to make that next step they are just taking a big risk on the surface to go with Sam Howell in this spot it's just an unusual spot for where they're at because it doesn't feel like a team that's going downhill and by the way What's also unusual about it is, you know, there's not if there was a, a true independent general manager here, 
who's looking bigger picture, you could uh, say, go this route knowing that if it doesn't work out and they bottom out, they'll be in position next year to perhaps get Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner from this area in the draft or another you know top five or ten pick. But as we know, Ron Rivera is in charge here, and therefore, if, if you know the coach and effectively the GM, they could all be out, and then that would be a huge issue. Uh, you know, there's no point in waiting. Is my point if you're if you're potentially on the way out, and that's what makes the Sam Howell thing so interesting and rather risky, for sure. Uh, let me ask uh, producer Caitlin, what should we do? We've got a call to hold, but I, do we do we want me to take this call? Or should we go on a break? Well, what do you what do you suggest? You're in charge. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We've got Earl who wants to talk about Sam Howe, Brock Purdy, and we'll get to your questions as well. 800-636-1067. We'll do that next on 1067 The Fan. All right, welcome back to 1067 The Fan. I asked for your calls at 800-636-1067. And you delivered Earl in California is here. Let's just jump right into the calls. Earl wants to talk. Sam Howell and the Commanders. You can do that call in as well. Uh, Earl, talk to me. Uh, what do you? Th- what are your thoughts on Sam Howell? So here's a thought, and I know you didn't like the Tom Brady example, but what about Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy wasn't this quarterback mystery relevant that they thought was going to turn into anything, but once. They had a good system, which hopefully Eric B. Enemy is bringing. He actually uh, did very well with San Francisco. And to be quite, you know, honest, if he didn't get hurt, I would say San Francisco could have made it to the Super Bowl. And since we have a good team, good defense, good offense, should be with the new offensive coordinator, what about if Sam Howell can just be very much Brock Purdy? And uh, how would you feel about that? What's your thoughts? Certainly, if 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 uh, Sam Howell played the way Brock Purdy did, Ron Rivera's thrilled, the fans are thrilled, Terry McLaurin's thrilled, everybody's thrilled except for their opponents. Um, look, just to be clear, like I really do like Sam Howell. For me, other than Kenny Pickett, he was the quarterback for me that I liked the most last year. You know, his sophomore year, he was being viewed after his sophomore year, I should say. He was being viewed as a first-round pick, maybe even a top 10, top 5 pick. He impressed that much with his arm, his mobility, his his sort of moxie out there. And then when North Carolina lost a ton of weapons that year on offense, things fell apart a bit. Uh, He turned him into more of a runner, probably hurried some of his decision-making, and things went down a bit. And plus, last year's draft class, because Kenny Pickett was the first quarterback off the board at 20, Whereas normally, like this year, some one or two guys are going top three, top five. That pushed everybody back. So I don't really view Sam Howell as a fifth round pick in the in the traditional way, but that is where he went. Now the difference with, with him and Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy last year he basically is playing. So first of all, he was the third string quarterback, right? They had Trey Lance, they had Jimmy Garoppolo. So their plan was not Brock Purdy. Their plan was these other guys, and then it just kind of worked out that way with. Brock Purdy. Secondly, he has as his coach arguably the best offensive mind in the league in Kyle Shanahan. Now, I'm not dismissing Eric Bieniemy, but the whole point of Eric Bieniemy coming here is we'll finally get to see where where Eric Bieniemy, you know, the difference with him and Andy Reid, right? How much is 
is he able to show that he can do it without Andy Reid there? We can't say for sure, but that will be one of those tests. Meanwhile, San Francisco had one of the best offensive lines in the league with Trent Williams. We know Washington's needs total revamping. He also had arguably the best defense in the entire league, and Washington is good, you know, 10th more or less, depending on which metrics you're looking at, but not as good as San Francisco. So Brock Purdy had a lot going for him, didn't have to, um, you know, be, you know, have, have to do everything by himself. He also had all the playmakers that Washington has, uh, you know, with George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk and others. So he had a lot going for him that Sam Howell may not have and at this point does not. So I'm not knocking Howell, but it's not, but these other teams, again, with the Brady example or the Purdy example, they didn't go into the year with that as the plan. That's what makes this so unique. They're telegraphing. That's what they want to do, and that is unusual. Um, we've got another caller here before I take a break. William White is on with me. William, uh, Dave, I cannot read. This is this is a thing. This is why I need more than one cup of coffee in the morning. Dave and Sterling, you've got a Sam Howe thought. Talk to me. Okay, how you doing, Ben? What's up? How are you? How are you? First of, good. First of all, you never know what somebody, what a player is going to be until you really play him, right? You drafted him, and you drafted him for a reason. Okay, so everybody then don't make it in the NFL because they just don't. So look at Zach Wilson for the Jets. Didn't make it. Ryan Leaf, remember him? Didn't make it. But you got to let people play so you can see what you really got. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Look, I, I obviously – Everything we're all talking about, whether it's Sam Howell or Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner quarterback from Alabama, who seems like the likely number one pick in this upcoming draft, or anybody else, until they play, you don't know. That is what makes all of this so fun. We can all speculate. We can all throw out our own opinions. But ultimately, none of us know what is going to happen. And like I said, I, I think there's a reasonable chance Sam Howell does pretty well. It's just unusual, again, with the circumstances, and particularly the head coach uh, and the staff could be you know, blown out of here uh, with a new owner, almost regardless, but particularly if they don't have a winning record. And since Sam Howe is more or less a rookie, you know, typically that person does not lead you to a winning record. And that's why it is unusual. I don't have an issue with playing... Sam Howell. I just it's just unusual the the overall circumstances. Um, and again, w- w- week eighteen they weren't even like definitively going to start him at that point. I mean, let's put it to another way. Week seventeen they go with Carson Wentz over Taylor Heineke. They had benched Heineke during the the previous game. Wentz came in, did some pretty decent things, but you know it's in relief against San Francisco. They're getting you know beat up pretty bad. But they decided to go with Wentz in that pivotal game against the Browns, and obviously it was a massive uh, mistake, three interceptions they lose. If Sam Howell is being viewed as such an interesting player now, should they have gone to Sam Howell in that game? I think you can make this is the definition of Monday morning quarterbacking. But yeah, you can kind of make the argument. But they didn't, and even if they didn't, you're going to tell me one game against Dallas says automatically he should be the guy. That seems a bit much to me as well. I'm definitely intrigued to see what Hal does. It's just the process of getting there is where it's interesting. Um, We've got more to come here on 106.7 The Fan. We'll talk 
Commanders at the top of the hour with Nikki Jabala from the Post. We're going to continue taking your calls, 800-636-1067. Ben standing with you until noon on 1067 The Fan.